Okay, let's get into our, our sermon for this morning, our message. Finishing up tonight, today, to this morning, we're finishing up the sermon, what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, uh, looking at uh, Jesus and, and his teaching in those times about the things that uh, are important about the kingdom of God. You'll remember, and I hope that you will spend some time regularly reviewing chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, especially as you continue to grow in Christ, you continue to learn and continue to teach others, right? As you continue to make disciples, not just uh, the little children that we just saw having a good time celebrating Jesus' birthday, but also the uh, teenagers in our lives and the younger adults in our lives all the way to uh, the older crowd. So just kind of, it's important that we always, always are looking to grow in Christ. Jesus is wrapping up his message that he taught after so much wisdom and so much truth given to the people, right? So many hard things to accept, so many changes need to be made, adjustments need to be made, and plenty of reasons to praise our Lord because of his greatness and his kingdom, which is now available to all who believe. Isn't that great? So everything that we've learned in chapters 5, 6, and now 7 is for our good and for the good of the kingdom. And how terrible would it be if we would allow anyone to come and destroy all of that in our hearts? Or at least maybe we would allow it to be stolen from us, taken from us, or simply give it away. Because everything that Jesus is talking about in these three chapters is exactly why he came here into this world as, the, as a baby in the, in the flesh to be our Savior on the cross. So you take Christmas and you take Easter and you put chapters 5, 6, and 7 right in the middle of it all to explain both. Isn't it great? This is God and say, this is what God says. I'm, everything is not right and I'm going to fix it. Genesis chapter 3. And now Jesus has, has shown us exactly what that solution looks like. And if you and I are going to be part of the kingdom of God, and I pray that we, would, we are and that we would continue to do so, we would grow in these things. And we would allow the Spirit of God to make these things true in our lives. Last week we talked about uh, the narrow gate and the wide. Right? The narrow road or the wide road. The narrow gate or the wide gate. We talked about ask, seek, and not. We, we talked about how, how it is that some are not going to make it because they take the wrong path. We talked about the narrow uh, gate being the most challenging, the, the hardest to follow, to, to, to go down that road. And, and maybe I didn't say it, maybe I did, I don't remember. But the reason why it's so difficult is because there's only one, it's the only way to be with the Father. Right? The wide road or the wide gate says there's many different ways. And we know the scripture says otherwise, don't we? We believe that there is only one way, and that's through Jesus and his shed blood, his sacrifice. That's the only way to be reconciled to the Father. Today we're going to look at what it says about uh, two trees and two builders. Because he's, now he's uh, finished talking about the kingdom of God, and now he's going to talk about the church. He's going to talk about how to preserve the truth. So if you, if you believe these things, then you need to do these things, and this is what it looks like to have fruit on the tree. And this is what it looks like to establish yourself in what I've taught you. 
So here we are in uh, chapter 7, verse 15 to 20. All right. He says this, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but, it, it, but inwardly they are fo- uh, uh, ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. That's, the, that's verse 15 through 20. And right away, he's finished talking about the kingdom of God. He's finished talking about the way to the kingdom of God. And now he's giving warning. Right? Basically, he's saying, watch out for what? False prophets. In those days, it was common that there were prophets in the world. That men and, and women that would go around and talk and share what God was saying to the people in whichever way they would do it. And they were genuine prophets. However, there were a bunch of people that would walk around wearing the clothes of a prophet because they would dress a certain way. And they would try to act like prophets. And they would even try to do some things that prophets would do. But because they weren't prophets, they would do something that would reveal to the world that they really aren't prophets. How many of y'all believe that that still happens today? Yeah? Of course it does. <laughs> For one, because here we are reading in the truth of God's word to, be, uh, to look out for, for false prophets. So that would still be true today, wouldn't it? Because the truth is, was true then and it's true now and will always be. So there must be false prophets. Let's stop and talk about that for just a minute. What is a false prophet? A false prophet, however the prophets were then in Old Testament time or even Jesus' time of this teaching, are different than what prophets are today, right? But basically he's saying be aware of false teachers or people who present themselves of God who are not of God. That's how this applies today. That's how this applies then. So who are these teaching, these, these false teachers or false prophets? Uh, people who taught things about God solely for their own gain. That's one way you can notice a false teacher, false prophet. Someone who is gaining something and intentionally teaching to gain something. The second uh, way is someone who taught solely for the purpose of gaining prestige. Becoming famous, becoming well-known or loved. Gaining from the gospel. And then another way of noticing a false teacher is one who is only teaching to be able to transmit or to share his own ideas or her own ideas. Their agenda, or whatever it is they are trying to get done. So how do we determine some things? Let's look at, I'm going to look at a few things. How we determine, how can we evaluate, right? Every person who sits and listens to the gospel being taught should be saying to themselves, is what I'm hearing agreeing with what's in the Word of God? Right? And I hope that you guys do that on a regular basis. Because if I, if, if I felt like everyone who heard me preach was just taking my word for whatever I said and never checking it, 
that would concern that would be a scary thing for me All right so i'm going to trust that uh you guys are diligently knowing the word of god and studying the word of god to the point and i'm pretty sure that that's what happens because in the time that i've been here i've been asked questions uh several times about some things that i've taught and i think that's great i think it's healthy and i think you should continue to do it question what i'm teaching see what the word says right and if, and if for some reason I need to make an adjustment, I need to do so, right? So let's see, let's see how to determine. So if the, te- if the teaching produces a religion consisting only of the observance of externals, then it's probably not proper teaching. Meaning, if it's all about keeping laws or staying in line with the traditions of religion, and that's all there is to it, then it's probably not proper teaching, right? Doesn't mean we can't talk about the commands of Jesus, the commands of the law. It doesn't mean we can't talk about even some of the traditions that are important to, to cling to, like, for example, sharing in communion, right? But if that's all it's ever about, If you're going to be a Christian, you need to get in line with what we're doing and don't do anything outside of that. That's not proper teaching. He says, uh, if (laughs) teaching is false, if it produces a religion that consists of the prohibitions only. Right. I heard somebody was uh, just yesterday or day before uh, saying uh, uh, that I don't hang out with people who do this, this and this, you know, because they're sinful. Right. And if all of our teaching is, you can't do this because it's sinful, and that's all we ever say is what you can't do, that's not, that's not, proper, that's not proper godly teaching. I, one time I went to a funeral at a church, and we drove, I drove into the parking lot, and everything was like immaculate. The building, it was a brick church. The grass was cut like, I think they measured the grass to make sure it was all the same length. It was trimmed, the parking lot, was, everything was perfect. And the first thing I saw when I pulled off of the road into the driveway, do not park on the grass. Then I got to the sidewalk, it says, do not walk on the grass. Then I got to the front door and it says, do not do this and do not do that. It was a whole bunch of do not do's. And if I was a person who was looking for a church for my family, I probably would have just got right back in the car and left. Because there's too many things that I'm not allowed to do to be in that church. And that's false teaching. If everything that we teach and preach is about what you cannot do, that's not the gospel. Uh, Let's see. Teaching is false if it uh, produces an easy religion. Think about it. If if what the preacher or what the leadership is teaching in in the church produces an easy Christian life. It's not the gospel. Because Jesus himself says, you will be persecuted. That was chapter 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Jesus himself says, they will hate you because they hate me. The Christian life is hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's not fun always. Right? And if you're not challenged... If you're not uh, upset every now and then, if the preacher don't step on your toes from time to time, 
it's not the gospel. If you're reading the Bible by yourself, don't step on your toes. You're not, you're, it's not the gospel. You're, not, you're, you're misinterpreting something. Make sense? So we, we have to know that if everything is the fuzzy wuzzies, right? If I come in here and all I preach is God loves you and you're awesome and you should go and tell everybody else the same and don't tell them anything different, there's something wrong with that. Because God does love you and you are awesome, but he also doesn't want you to keep sinning. And he also wants you to love him and love people. He also wants you to love people you don't want to love like we talked about in Sunday school. Right? He wants you to say amen when it hurts. Hello? <laughs> I'm with you guys. I'm just like, yeah, but that's not the fun part, y'all. So the gospel, look, the gospel is not right. It's not the true gospel. It's false teaching. It's false prophet. It's false preaching. If it divorces religion or faith from life. All right, think about that too. If, if the teaching and the preaching does not marry the Christian life, the spiritual walk with every other part of your life, if there's a separation, like meaning if we go to church, this is where uh, you can't say that because you're in church comes in, into play. Meaning if you can't say it in the church, you shouldn't say it anywhere else because you're a Christian everywhere. You're a believer everywhere. You're saved by the blood of Christ everywhere. Every part of your life, God needs to be a part of it. Your witness is, is there every part, every single part of your life. Who you are, what you do, how you work, how you play, how you interact with the world is who you are as a believer. And if the teaching says, allows you to separate that, it's not proper teaching. And then a fine, another way is teaching is false if it produces a religion which is arrogant or becomes a separatist type attitude. If somehow we believe that we're better than the world because we're Christians, or we're teaching that, if somehow we believe that uh, we're saying our message is come and, come and be like us because we got it figured out, it's false. It's false bad teaching and it do, you don't have to go far to find that teaching by the way not every person that stands up in a pulpit and holds this bible up and says a few verses is preaching the truth that's why y'all need to pray for your preacher because i don't want to be guilty of being one of these kind of people right and i don't want to be guilty of never evaluating my preaching and never never uh, looking at myself and my motives, and then one day wake up and be one of these people. Because I'm going to answer to the Lord for that, right? And I expect the church to hold me accountable. Basically, Jesus is saying, talk is cheap, y'all. Anybody can stand up and read the Bible and make up whatever they want it to be. Anybody can stand up and, and, and say, uh, this is what God says, or this is what the Christian life is about. But what about those times when nobody's looking? What about those times when the preacher's riding down the road and ain't nobody else in the car with him? Right? Is he still the man of God that he is when he's preaching? Same thing with the believers, because everybody's a preacher to some degree or another. Right? Everybody's out giving the witness for the kingdom of God. And it's either a, a true witness or it's a false witness. And this is why many people 
a claim that they don't go to church because there's too many hypocrites at the church. Why do they say that? It's because we don't act the same as we do in the church that we do in the world. Because Friday and Saturday night, some of those people that are in church on Sunday are still with them. <laughs> on Friday and Saturday, in the places where the believers probably not shouldn't be. Doing the things that we shouldn't do, not that we're guilty of that. A man's actions speak louder than his words. A person's actions speak louder than their words. You want people to know Christ? You want to be a disciple maker? You want to go into the world and make disciples, loving people and loving God? What we do needs to be louder than what we say, and it needs to agree with the truth. Right? My wife don't believe that I love her just because I said it. Even though she wants to hear me say it. I can say it all day long, but if I don't never show it, she knows. The world doesn't know the church loves the world unless the church shows the world that the church loves the world. Make sense? Is that a riddle? <laughs> Something you got to work out when you get home? In other words, we can say, hey, we're Christians, and we can put up on the wall, love God and love people, right? But if we're not doing that, then we're not putting out the proper witness. We're not putting out the truth. Notice it says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit, right? Now, I like apples. I like oranges. I like bananas. I like pretty much every fruit, right? And if it was up to me, I would just love to go out and just whatever fruit I wanted, just go pick it off a tree and eat it fresh. Just whenever I wanted to. Adam had it that way at one point. The problem is, is you can't have fruit unless there's a tree. Wouldn't you all agree with that? And if the tree isn't taken care of, if the tree's not healthy, then there's not going to be any fruit. And all we're supposed to do is make disciples. And we do that by loving people and loving God. And we love God by loving people. And we can't really love people unless we love God. See how that goes together. And the fruit in a person's spiritual life is are they making, are they participating in making disciples? Is their Christian walk, is their life matching up with what Jesus says the Christian life is supposed to look like? Are they, are they making disciples? Not, doesn't mean, are they, is everybody getting baptized that they talk to? That's not what it's saying. He's saying if there's, if there's fruit on the tree, then there's something happening. If there's no fruit on the tree, then it's just a bunch of talk. Right? I mean, I can, I can, I can put on, a, uh, I can put on a, a tight t-shirt and show up at the gym, but everybody knows I'm not a bodybuilder. Don't, why are y'all laughing? <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? You can't, you can't fool the whole world. They know what's true. And you certainly are not going to fool God, right? Well, y'all are laughing a little too long now. <laughs> Just because I'm not a good bodybuilder don't mean I'm not. <laughs> so so I, here's what I want for me, and here's what I want for y'all. And I know that this is what God wants for all of us. 
chapters 5, 6, and 7 to be truth in your life. To be evident, not, not just true in your life, but to be evident to the world in your life. To the point where people approach you and me and, and want to know what is going on in your life. How is this happening? What is it about you that's different than me? Right? That's, what, that's the witness. That's when all, the Spirit of God has His way and all of these things, all the way from chapter 5 to now, become real. And there's fruit on the tree. Everybody, want, Every church, every congregation wants to be successful when it comes to making disciples. They want to see people come into church. They want to see people growing in Christ. They want to see people getting saved. Because that's the goal, isn't it? And, and that's fruit. And any congregation around the world, when they do not see the fruit, they will fail if they do not stop and ask themselves why we are not seeing fruit. What do we need to do to make the adjustment? Right? Now, look, here's the warning. Verse 19 says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit, that means there can be bad fruit, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What does that sound like? Yeah. I don't like, surpri- I like, I don't like surprises, right? I don't, it's not like I hate surprises, but I just don't, I'm not like looking to be surprised all the time, right? I just, not, it's not my thing. But at the same time, it's not gonna, I'm not going to, it's okay. But when it comes to being saved and when it comes to having faith and trusting that my salvation is real... And that when I leave this world, whether it should happen in the next minute or in the next 20 years or so, that I'm going to be with the Lord. I want some assurance of that. And the scripture says we can have assurance of that. What we're about to read needs to get your attention. Because what he just said was, the trees that don't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That makes me sit back personally and say, Lord, I want want good fruit to be evident in my life. Not just for me, even though that's the most reason, which is kind of selfish, but so that God will be glorified and people will be saved. Right? If you want your loved ones to be saved, you need to have good fruit showing up in your spiritual life. Because if you don't care, then why should they care? about God and about salvation. So verse 20, verse, uh, verse 20 says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Talking about the trees, but really talking about the people of the kingdom of God. You will know who's part of the kingdom of God by the fruit of their, of their spiritual walk. Right? And it's not just uh, these people go to church every Sunday so they know God. And it's not just they say grace every time they eat, and that may, therefore they know God. It's those people that get spit on and persecuted and still love the people who are spitting and persecuting. That's fruit. It's the people who know how to uh, rely on God to help them forgive. All the things we talked about in Sunday school. How, How God's love comes out of their life, even when it doesn't seem possible. And you're like, and and you're everybody, even some of the believers are sitting back like, wow, I don't know if I could have done that. It's the ones who are constantly giving glory to God, even in the middle of the darkest valley, as our 
song that we just heard this morning described. The, the lowest valley is still the highest point I could be without, you know, in Christ. So he's like, he's, he's, he's setting us up to say this, right? It's like just when you think you're getting your toes stepped on, it's like you get your toe stepped on, you got to stand on one foot because you just got your, your, your other toes throbbing. And he says this in verse 21. Check this out. Yeah, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Hello? Before we ever go and make disciples, we need to reconcile ourselves to what he's saying right here. Because you're not going to make disciples if you fall into this category here. It's almost going back to the plank in your own eye and the toothpick in someone else's eye kind of thing, right? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There's the fruit. There's the fruit. What's the will of the Father? Go in to make disciples. Go in the world and love people. What are the two greatest commandments? That's what Jesus was asked. They were trying to set him up. They were trying to get him to, uh, to say something that would incriminate himself or prove that he wasn't who he is. And he was like, well, uh, love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And the second one's just like it. Love people as you love yourself. You have to, we have to be people who are loving the world. Not engaging in the world's conflicts. Not engaging in the world's attitudes. We're in the world, but not of the world. And he says, that, here's what he says. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's why back in uh, uh, verse 13, he says, he was saying that there's, there's, there's a narrow way to the kingdom of God and few will find it. Now, I, I think about this quite often. Not because I'm scared, not because I don't have assurance of salvation. I think about it because I want to know. I want to be sure. Because I don't want to end up in the presence of God one day expecting to get a big gigantic holy hug from Christ and him say, I don't know who you are. Get away from me. This is serious business, isn't it? God, like Christmas. It's Christmas time, preacher. What in the world? I know it's Christmas time. But this is why Jesus was born into this world. It's not just so we can exchange gifts and decorate our homes, which is awesome. But it's so that we can have an opportunity to not be these people. Isn't that awesome? What a great, what a great Christmas gift we have that we don't deserve. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many, many miracles? So in other words, they were trying to argue their way in, into the presence of God. <laughs> right? Isn't it funny how you try to change the rules when you don't win? <laughs> He's like, we, we went to church, Lord. We prayed over our food, Lord. Then I will tell them plainly, 
I never knew you. In other words, we didn't ever have no relationship. You didn't call on me at any time, except for that time you almost got hit by a bus. That's the only time you called on me. But you didn't call on me when things were great. You didn't call on me when, uh, when I blessed you in this way. You didn't call on me in this way. So you apparently didn't need me, so we don't know each other. We didn't have a relationship. That's what he's saying. And then he says, away from me what? You evildoers. That's what he says. I can't even, it, it hurts me to think that, that our Lord would look at any one of us and, and say those words. You evildoers. And, and somebody, somebody might be thinking to themselves, well, Jesus, Jesus loves everybody. He wouldn't say that to nobody. Jesus went to the cross for everybody. Every single person in existence, Jesus went to the cross for. And if anybody hears these words, it's their own fault. They're the ones that rejected Jesus. And just because Jesus would say these words to any person doesn't mean that Jesus didn't love them and doesn't love them. It just means that there's a certain way that God has put things together and we don't have the right to change that. And we accept it the way it's come, right? When someone gives you a gift at Christmas time, are you going to complain about the way they wrapped it? Or are you going to accept the gift because they love you? Now, I know that there's plenty of people in the world that they, that on, the, on the 26th of December, they're right back in line exchanging stuff. But that's not how the gospel works. There ain't no exchanging it for something better because there isn't anything better. Right? So then for, verse 24, and we'll finish up with this. He says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them in practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Right? Well, I went backwards. There we go. So now he's saying, look, I want you all to hear me. I want you all to listen to what I'm saying. I've, I've told you all about the kingdom of God. I've told you all about the believers. I've told you all about my Father in heaven. And I've told you about the way to find how to get there, how to be a part of it. I've told it all to you. I've hidden nothing from you. And I've told you that some other people are going to come and tell you something different than what I've taught you. And he says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I don't know, every preacher in, I've, I've ever met has met someone who will sit in their, uh, in, 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 in their teaching and as soon as the sermon's over, they'll walk out and not have ever heard the words. Sometimes even be guilty of whatever the lesson was about as they walk out the door. Happens all the time. And we sit back and I'm like, were you even in there? Did you even listen? What's even worse is when you do hear the lesson, when you do hear the teacher, and you just put that in your pocket and just go right on and ignore it. Right? There are so many people that have heard the gospel more than once, so many times they've heard the gospel their whole life, and yet they still leave this world and go away from God for eternity because they heard the message and did nothing with it. But yet they want to have a Merry Christmas. And they want to celebrate Christmas as if Christ is their Lord. 
He says, if you don't hear the message of these words of mine, this message, and if you don't put them in practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The wise man that does it puts it on a rock. The wise man that doesn't do it puts it on his house on, on sand. It says, verse 25 says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it has a foundation on the rock. We sing plenty of songs about Jesus being the rock, right? What are you building your Christian life on? What is the foundation of who you are in Christ? Because if it's on the sand, right? He says, verse 26, If everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain, and, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I don't know about y'all, but we, we, we had a lot of wind the last couple of weeks, right? We're sitting in there watching television, and the whole, the, whole, the whole RV just doing this whole time. Might rock me to sleep. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It was just, you could feel it. Because there's no foundation there. Just gravity. Right? Somebody was telling me just yesterday... When you built this building, you had to take some jackhammers to get past some of this rock to get everything level. This building is on solid ground. Guarantee I could have been in here and never felt the wind. Could have heard it maybe against the windows, but I could have never felt it. Your spiritual life is going to be stronger if you're standing on Christ. But if you're just standing on whatever it is you want the gospel to be, if you're standing on whatever it is you want the kingdom of God to be, you're going to crash. When everything gets hard and everything falls through, you're going to crash. That's it. Do not let Satan convince you to give up the Christmas gift that God sent to you. Right? Don't let, it, don't let him do it. God, he can't take nothing from you. I remember when we were kids, we'd have Christmas gifts up under the tree. Me and my brothers and my sister. And we always snuck in there and tried to figure them out. We tried to find them before they ever got up under there. And if they didn't put our names on them, we'd steal them from each other. Because that one package was bigger than the other one. No, that one's got to be mine. I think one time I tried to switch the names when everybody was asleep. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? The Christmas gift of Jesus... The salvation that we have received at Christmas can never be taken from you. You can only give it away. You can only give it away. Don't let the world, don't let other people, don't let Satan convince you to give it away. Right? And don't allow yourself to be convinced that some other gospel is going to save you. Only the gospel that Jesus teaches that we've been studying is the real gospel. And there's only one salvation, and that's through Jesus' blood on the cross and faith in that. Isn't that great? If you want to have a Merry Christmas, we need to get settled in that today. If you're already settled in that, then praise the Lord. If you're not sure, then now's the time to get settled in that. Because there ain't no point in celebrating Christmas if you don't believe. Except for the fact that you like to get free stuff from somebody else.
right? If you really want to share Christmas with the world, then be the witness. Love people. Share the gospel with people. Enjoy what Jesus has done for you. Isn't that great? Next, next week we're going to talk about Christmas, and next week after that we're going to talk about Christmas. Then we're going to start a whole new year of serving the Lord together. Right? If you're a believer, praise the Lord. If you're not a believer, today's the time to start. Today's the time to receive that free gift of salvation that Jesus is just now talking about. Put your foundation on the rock. Let's stand together and sing. Faith in Christ means I believe that Jesus is the Christ. And then we're baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today's the day to do that if you haven't already.